Hi, everyone. Welcome to Naked Conversations. My name is Craig. My wife's name is Dawn. And once again, we're in separate cities, so we're recording things a little differently this time. Um, But the main conversation was recorded this previous weekend on a Sunday morning, uh, in which we talk about um, work stuff, uh, writing for therapy, and a little bit of everything. And then, of course, we read a couple uh, of love stories. All right. Hope you guys enjoy. Have a great week. Love's Fire was another clever way that Craig introduced us and love as our creator and as our navigator in life, bringing us together and appreciating what we can do together. Again, um, I find it interesting that He holds love in such high regard and gives love such power to create and move us and sustain us and understand us and gives love all of the qualities that I give to my God that I recognize are my God. Um, It's just, it's quite an interesting combination. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Do you remember when we were made of fire and all love wanted from us was to help them with their daily chores? Love would gather us up in the morning and with their thick leather gloves toss me into the fireplace to light the kindling and take you to the kitchen for the stove setting yesterday's eggs and bacon in a skillet to simmer over the heat of you. But inevitably, as soon as love had gone out to tend the chickens and cows, I would sneak away from the fireplace, leaving footprints of soot to smolder in my wake and crawl into the firebox to be close to you again. And love would return with a pail of milk and an armful of eggs to find the children shivering in the cold room and the kitchen or oil with smoke, eggs and bacon charred to cinders by the blaze of us, curled tight together in the stove. Love would wrench open the fire grate in exasperation, and every time I expected fury, but they would see us wrapped up in a ball of light and heat, Whispers of flame floating from mouth to ear, bearing flickers of adoration from your heart to mine, mine to yours. And love's expression would slowly soften, and though they would inevitably reach in with tongs to pull you away from me, they would do it gently, and with the promise that we would be back in each other's arms soon. And while love used you to light the children's lamps and get them dressed, I would set the kettle to boiling and fry the fresh eggs right this time, low and slow. And by the time the household was set to rights and ready to face the cold world, love would bring us back together, fresh fuel piled in the fireplace for us. And when love's family came back at the end of each day, they'd find their home warmed, and readied for them by us, the light of you and I, a twinkle in the glass of every window, and after they had been regaled by all their children's tales of woe and wonder, 
after baths and bedtime stories and kisses on tired brows, love would return us to their bedside table and turn the lamp of us down low to flicker our steady contented slumber through the night only to start it all again in the next morning. Hmm. I will burn every day with you for love, my morning light, my sweet heat, my lovely flame. I can't wait to smolder with you again. Good morning, beautiful. Good morning, love. Hi. <laughs> Hi. It's Sunday, and we're in South Bend, and it, and it, it looks like for the foreseeable future... This is where we'll be when we record now because this is where we're going to be together because I'm kind of starting a part-time job uh, at your facility on the weekends Mm -hmm. doing groups. Yep. Yeah. Which is exciting. I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, In fact, I was supposed to start yesterday, but uh, did not get into the system in time. So now it's next weekend. But I'll be teaching uh, creative writing and performance, which will be neat opportunities to use my degree and and work with this population of of patients, which I'm really motivated to do after my stay in options. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like fulfilling something that I wanted to do when I came out. You know, like I, I really wanted to try and give back somehow and. I don't know, help this. I really I really have a better understanding of mental health issues after having my own crisis. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So warning to people when I pray about a way to um fix a situation, God might put you in a psych unit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, he doesn't believe in that God. Right. But yeah. um yeah, I think it's pretty funny that you got that perspective after I prayed for a solution to our yeah to our dilemma to our separation. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited for you to do it. To have been reading, he's been writing his own curriculum, and it's been uh, very cool. It's it's yeah. nothing that I've even influenced. It's because somebody mm-hmm. said that yesterday I was talking to the nurses and I was yeah. telling them what you're doing. And they were like, well, it's because you've influenced him. And I'm like, no, this is not, this is all you. This is not, not my influence at all. I mean, yeah. just really impressed with what you're coming up with for the patients. Well, and some of it, <clears throat> I mean, some of it were the, the impetus for it were, was coming up with those writing prompts and, uh, and I don't know. I don't know how or why I came up with those writing prompts. Well, the the one was the the letter of gratitude is the middle one, and that's the one I was had been doing on my own. And it was, and that was something that just came out of my head too. Like I thought, oh, well, and it was specifically <laughs> because I had written those suicide notes, and uh, and I and I and I, you know, no one's seen them except for me. Thankfully. Um, so kind of a way to counteract. Yeah, that energy, I the guess. The energy of the suicide yeah. notes. I mean, I came out of the uh, out of the inpatient stay wanting to express more gratitude in my life. And this seemed like a perfect way to do it. And it was right before Father's Day. so uh, And it felt so good. And it was such a good thing for Lou and Zamira. Like I could, I could tell 
especially with Lou. I mean, Zamir has always been very affectionate and everything, but Lou has just been a child who never wanted to really give hugs or, or anything, you know, she just, she's not a very (coughs) affectionate kid. Um, Mostly, but I think because of, you know, social anxiety or whatever, I, I, I don't know all the reasons, Mm -hmm. but She's very affectionate with the dogs. Though. Yeah, she's very affectionate <laughs> so, with the dogs. So, I mean, I'm just saying that. <laughs> so, if I, maybe if I acted more canine, then, then I would yeah. get more affection. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but uh, but I, I've noticed since then, like, she, she, like, you know, it used to be I would have to initiate uh, hugs or whatever, and she would just sort of reluctantly let me, let me do yeah, it. Tolerate. Yeah. And, but, uh, but since the letters and, and I guess a few times before that too, she, um, but m- more frequently now I can tell that she, she initiates them and she, she wants mm-hmm. to, to hug me, which is fantastic. I, I love that. And, uh, and I don't know if that's because of the letters, but that's what I secretly in my head, I was like, ah, oh, I, I, it broke something loose. And I, well, anyway, I, I just thought it was really healthy for everybody. And so I, I included that in the curriculum. And then after that, the rest of it kind of seemed easy. And, and part of the reason I think it seemed easy is because I've spent a long time, I mean, decades, thinking about writing and thinking about, about specifically metaphor I mean, I've always, I fell in love with metaphor in college. And I think it's just a, it's a powerful tool for changing the way you see the world and the way you see yourself. Um, And I I think, so that's the, that's sort of the core idea of um, the therapeutic writing model that I'm making up as I go. And that, you know, that's another thing too. I, I don't know if it's going to work or if, if clients are going to respond to it, but I know that everybody who's read it has been very excited about it. Like the other group facilitators and, and the, uh, my boss who, well, the lady who will be my boss mm-hmm. at ICFR, she's, she's really excited about it. So that makes me feel good. Yeah. I'm excited too. It's, yeah. Well, and of course, Maya has been your yes. kind of your mentor through this, mm-hmm. and she's yeah. incredible. Oh, she's incredible. She's so amazing. She's not more amazing than you. <laughs> <laughs> so when Maya first started, she sat in on one of my groups, and, and, yeah. and Maya, um, <clears throat> she, uh, she was, <clears throat> you know, very, very polite, very reserved. Um, but it was funny because I would start hearing from clients, oh, have you seen Maya do a group? Maya's groups, you know, you and Maya are so good at groups. You and Maya, and and I, I've never sat on, in on one of Maya's groups, but I was just always hearing from the clients how, because they always loved my groups, and then I'd always hear from the clients how, oh, Maya, you know, once Maya came on board, it was just Maya, 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 Maya. <laughs> Which was great, because I was thrilled that the clients were getting these really impactful groups because yeah. that group learning is so important because then they debrief about it later. You know, they'll, they'll share, I mean, individual therapy is great, but yeah. with individual therapy after that hour, you're still alone with your thoughts. Right. Yeah. But when you're in a group setting and you're getting really, really powerful group um, 
therapy, those clients go back and they they ruminate on that and they talk yeah. about it with they each other and they process it with each other. With each yeah. other. <clears throat> so that it's like it's so funny because patients will come in and they'll be, well, I'm only getting a one hour session a week with my therapist, and then they have caseload, which is three hours with their therapist with a small group. And again, that whole concept of that group therapy creating that culture so you're not inside your head processing yeah and so you know to have really good group facilitators that make them think is so so important yeah so then yeah so then craig's you know starts coming up and shadowing maya for the groups and max was pretty specific about you wanting you in with maya yeah and uh, <clears throat> so then craig's like Maya's fantastic. Maya, Maya, Maya. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, I get it. Maya's, Maya's great. And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, wait a minute. Is Maya as good, you know, as good as me? Better than me? And, and his response was, well, I've never really sat through a group with you. Well, I haven't. It's not like I never really you have. You see my YouTube channels? You know what I teach? Yes, yes but it's different <clears> than... <throat> on a YouTube channel when you're just talking and mm-hmm. when you're in a group and you've got mm-hmm. to respond to people. So believe me, I've heard so many times. <laughs> even Max was like, well, because you, you and Maya are so great at groups. You guys are just the best at groups. Maya's just, Maya's just different. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Maya's just doesn't differently. Yeah. And well, I mean, she's, first of all, she's, Brilliant. I mean, yeah, she's she she's only twenty four years old, and and I'm I'm shocked that she. I mean, she has, I guess, two two bachelor's degree, two degrees mm-hmm. from Just undergrad. Doesn't have access to them. Yes, but <clears throat> I'm I'm shocked that that's all she's got, and that she's so young, mm-hmm. because I mean, she's she's brilliant. She will talk nonstop in those groups, and she's got so many different curricula that she's created on her own that are uh they're just phenomenal and you can I can just tell sitting in the room with those clients I mean some of them are even half asleep when we start but then by the end every single person is engaged and Mm -hmm. and really absorbing everything that she's saying and uh she she loves she loves her clients and and they love her and yeah and that I think the funny thing about my group potentially is that because because it's about writing, at least part of it, um, that's a very solitary process too. So it's going to be, <clears throat> and and and, and I, I give people the option of not sharing any of their writing because I mean the the beautiful thing about writing as opposed to you know actually talking through trauma is that you can do it in a solitary way and never show a single person that writing. You can right. just destroy it when it's done. But having done the <clears throat> the work of processing your thoughts into language on a page, I think is, is in a very powerful tool for understanding what you think about what's going on in your head. And I'm hopeful that <clears throat> not only will they write it, that they'll be moved to share it with the group in the next... Mm-hmm. group session and that they'll take it to their therapist, you know, mm-hmm. and talk through it with them. and I'm really going to encourage if nothing else, even if they don't want to share it with anyone else, hopefully they trust their therapist enough to take that because that can be a, a great tool for the therapist to get a deeper understanding of what's what's going on with them, I think. So Yeah. 
Yeah, no. I mean, and of course, for me, I'm excited about the acting part. Yeah. I know. And you're, you're like, okay. Yeah. Get over it. Well, the acting stuff, I mean, because I'm only, you know, some of these people are only staying for maybe 30 days, or I might only get them for one week, one weekend mm-hmm. session. Now, the, uh, some of the folks who stay in PHP will be there for, you know, three or four months. And I think eventually, if we do, you know, th- there are some performance aspects to the groups that I'm teaching, but it's mostly in the form of in in group exercises, like for for warm ups, like act, old acting warm ups or exercises that we would do to sort of engage them and and engage their empathy or engage their their uh, vagus nerve response to for calming down or yeah so <clears throat> yeah so it's uh it'll be interesting and i think eventually if it if it works out and it's something that enough people are passionate about i would love to add more performance component to it and mm-hmm. start creating original pieces that you know that small groups can perform maybe even for the rest of the facility somehow i don't know how that would work but yeah well we've got the theater so yeah, we could do small performances in the theater. Yeah, that so. would be that would be really cool. So, yeah. speaking of that, though, so uh, the children's unit, the kids' unit, it's going to be opening up soon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's exciting. Yeah. So the you know having that theater piece for the kids too, I think would be is really good. So ages twelve to seventeen, we're going to pull from the foster care system. We've been working on that piece. Uh, Max and Lucy's been working on that piece. That's that's just. I mean, that was kind of the thing all along for me is so many times when I did work with kids in the past, it they, you know, to get them away from their parents was sort of what needed to happen. And we were not, in a, you know, outpatient, you're not in a position to do that, to kind of teach them new life skills. So we're going upstream now. We're going to try and get them younger so we can start working with them. And hopefully, you know... <clears throat> The adults that I have inpatient now were those kids once, and right yeah. that piece to me is, I mean, scary as hell. But yeah, <laughs> so it's just it's so important. I mean, and that's where God just you know I just have to not get too much in my head about it and just know that you know that's going to have to be something that God coordinates and navigates and yeah. Yeah, figures yeah. out for us. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's exciting stuff. I'm I'm excited you're up here. I'm excited that you're making that drive every weekend instead of me. <laughs> yes, of course and you. Are. I know. I hate that drive. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hate that drive. Yeah. But I also love that you're getting to know my coworkers. I got a text yesterday from from one of the case managers that I just adore, and she's like, "Did your husband make it?" Because <clears throat> I sent him in a direction, and I think he was lost. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> She's worried you were still lost somewhere in the building. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a big building. It is a big building, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it's a neat place. You know, it's, I mean, it's, I, well, and I was joking with, with Maya and her partner when they came to tour last night. It was like, it, you know, because uh, her partner had never been to the facility, and she wa- walked in and... and uh, and was just amazed at how beautiful it was. And I said, yeah, this is 
I, you know, I, I had gotten used to this. And then when I went to options, it was, it yeah, was nothing really like this. I know, I know. I had unreasonable expectations of a psych facility based on, <laughs> based on ICFR. On ICFR yeah. yeah. And, and our facility, we have, I mean, it's beautifully decorated. It's, it's, it's just, you know, we treat the patients and even the, even the children's unit, you know, as if they are capable of more, you know, and, and they deserve to be in in something beautiful and mm-hmm. and then we also have a barber shop and a movie yeah. theater and a full gym yeah right. yoga room yeah yeah we've got quite a few things that people are usually shocked to see and that barber shop it's so funny that that's you know it's something i would have never thought about but it has been such a a interesting and beautiful thing when the patients are detoxing and they're starting to feel better and they haven't taken care of themselves to, you know, and it's professional grade. It's the, it looks like a barbershop and to go in and have, you know, a shampoo and a shave and a new hairstyle. And, and we just have the most phenomenal, um, lady that, that does their hair. She's African-American and, and she'll like braid their hair or she'll do the, you know, the designs and the, and the shaving in the head and the, the men for the, and the, and the women, you know, women who want to have their head shaved and have designs put in. And I mean, it's just, and then of course you feel better yeah. and everybody's complimenting you on how right. great you look. <laughs> and I mean, who knew? I mean, I, I guess Max and Max knew, but yeah, you know, who knew that that would just make you feel so much better, but. Yeah, it is pretty incredible how, because I mean, part of the way we know who's supposed to be in the groups is we print out these face sheets that have their photos on them and their intake photos. And so their intake photos, I mean, most of them, they they look really unhappy because, the, you know, they, they're scared, they're at the lowest point in their life, maybe, or just after the lowest point in their life. And... uh you know, they're coming into a place that they're maybe they don't know and or maybe they're detoxing and they're still, you know, half on whatever they were on. And so they just they just look miserable and unhappy. And then, like you said, after they after they've been there for a couple of weeks and and they're really starting to get better and they've they're connecting with their therapists and with the people that they're there with they just look like completely different people. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's it's hard to recognize them from their from their intake yeah. photos. Yeah. Like, is that really the same person? You know, they just look so much better and healthier mm-hmm. and they happier. They get their light back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really powerful. And uh yeah, I'm excited, you know. I mean it's gonna be exhausting because I'm I'm, you know, working forty hours. <laughs> I'm working forty hours at, at the college still, but uh but I think it'll also be incredibly rewarding. At least I hope it is. And, and I, like I said, I, I don't know. Maybe it won't work out. Maybe maybe I either I won't be good at it, or or they just won't connect with uh, with what I'm proposing. They they try and do, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, and you're doing. Therefore. Are you doing how many hours a day? Uh, three, three hours a day. So and and Saturdays and Sundays. So. Six yeah. hours total plus, you know, notes and all that. But. And I'm usually, I usually am in and out on the weekends if I'm up here, even if it's not my weekend to cover. Um, so it is nice to be a little closer just because 
you know, there might be people that I'm concerned about. It's like, sure. it's silly that I compare it, but I mean, when we had the animal clinic, you know, yeah. you go in and check on everybody on the, on the weekends, make sure everybody's doing okay. And right. talk to the ones that, you know, were, <laughs> were not really, you know, feeling as great. I mean, if, if you're laying in a cage recovering, you're not with your family, then you want to go and kind of pet them. So they're a little Tails will wag, <laughs> you know. Nice. <laughs> so, it always comes back to dogs for you. I know. You know? I yeah. know. I got to stop assigning breeds to people <laughs> now that I'm working with humans. Yeah. It's like I, I just I'll meet someone and I'll sign in a breed a breed to them and then you know because to me you can trust everybody. Once you get to, it's like with every animal. Like I could trust that certain animals were going to bite me if I let my guard down. I could trust that certain animals were going to only be capable of of so much. And I, so, <clears throat> you know, I could trust that a certain animal was going to chew its sutures out. You know, mm. so so you can trust everybody. But I'm I'm I kind of because because when you're in fear, you go back to that animal brain, that survival brain then I would oftentimes be like, oh, you're like a, you're like a tomcat that just keeps coming back in and we clean you up and we get you off the drugs and then we send you out and I know you're going to go back to doing it again. And then you come back and, you know, or you're like a fear biter, a dog that fear bites, or you're like a, you know, an overly affectionate dog that, that has, you know, no, you know, hasn't stepped into their power. Right. I know that's so silly. No, but. not at all. I mean, I, well, I mean, it, it, that's, and again, that's your metaphor, right? Yeah. That's the way that you. To navigate. Yeah. And it helps you. So that's fine. It's, yeah. Sometimes patients will be like, what breed am I? <laughs> yeah. Right. They get excited about it. Yeah. Not insulted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not working next weekend. No, next no. weekend I that's am so. That's when start. But you know yeah. what I was thinking—that would be an excellent opportunity for you to sit on one of Maya's groups. No, I'm going to be doing the ketamine on... infusions next weekend. Oh, that's right in Fort Wayne. That's yeah, right. yeah. So I have a new nurse practitioner, and he is brilliant, and he's teaching me a lot. Um, Sean Goddard, and he's in Fort Wayne. Yes. Okay. I know. I always. Fort Wayne, Terre Haute. I don't know why I get those two confused. Um, Gosh, so I'm going to have to, not only am I going to be starting that job, that part-time job, I'm going to have to commute (laughs) from Fort Wayne. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. But I'll be fine. I mean, we're going to stay at a hotel because I'm doing, so the way he does them is I um, had a genetic test done called Genomind and, um, he bases the dose on my genetic makeup and then it's three in a row. And what, wait, just n- not just your genetic makeup, but your BDNF levels? Too? Well, that's that all right? part of, that's all part of it. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a measurement of actual yeah. chemical in your. Oh, uh, yes. That's all the components in this. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so that's how he then figures out what dose it'll be. So I did I did ketamine infusions back in December, um, November, December, after my dad passed away. And I yeah. just... With Dr. B where I did my... Hit a wall mm-hmm, yeah. with Dr. B there in Greenwood. And so then as I started doing Spravato with patients, 
at ICFR, which has just been amazing because the therapists are sitting in with the patients now and doing therapy while they do this bravado. And then our Reiki healer, Kavita, she sat in with the patient yesterday, and that was phenomenal. <clears throat> um, so it's just, it's like, it's like therapy on steroids. I mean, it's like, you know, you get through just, you release all of, all of those inhibitions and you understand what those inhibitions are. Yeah. Um, one of. That would be really interesting. I mean, cause mm -hmm. I, with the IV ketamine, I mean, there's no way I wouldn't have, I would have been right. incoherent trying mm -hmm. to talk. Mm -hmm. about those things. In fact, I did try to talk to Samira about some stuff and it just, and I think she recorded some of it and it just yeah. sounded like uh, yeah. gibberish mostly yeah. or just, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that would be incredible to talk about things. Right. Yeah. So, and actually we could probably get it for you easily cause you've been in a psych unit now. So. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's, yeah. So with the patients, it's like, and, and I have a patient right now who's a therapist and she's been a therapist for a long time, and she she did her first ketamine, uh, or I'm sorry, her first S-ketamine with bravado. <clears throat> and she said that all all the barriers that she knows she's holding mm -hmm. in getting well, like, came to kind of her heart region, and she was touched her heart region. She said, they all came right here, and I'm aware now what I've been doing this whole time mm -hmm. to to not move forward in my therapy. So... She's going to start this this bravado with her therapist next week. Wow. This this week. That's great. Yeah. So um, even for a therapist to come to that place and say, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I know what my barriers, what I, what roadblocks I've been putting up. Yeah. So next weekend, <clears throat> I'm going to do the IV infusions, in, in but it, the new formula, formulating it differently. And apparently formulating it differently, it goes from like, you know, 86 milligrams maybe that would have been the uh, IV based on my weight. Um, he said that, you know, he's doing based on the genetics and the testing and everything, he's doing, you know, 46 milligrams. Yeah. And getting the results that, that we want to get from it. But it's, um, yeah, I had to do a genetic test first and the company um, did it for me for free. Yeah. Just for me to have the opportunity to see, you know, what, What's sure. the next, the next step? What's yeah. or the next? It's like taking everything to the next level, and like I said, Sean is—he's just brilliant, man. He just is—you can see just his brain is constantly going in every direction. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing next weekend, and you're going to help me facilitate that. I'm so grateful. Yeah. For that, thank you. Of course. Yeah. No, I'm high high maintenance. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'll be doing next weekend. So that'll be an interesting thing to talk about, what the difference is between yeah. the two. Yeah, and I'll have my group stuff, so we'll have a lot to talk about next week. And yeah, we don't really have much to talk about. Well, and part of the part of the reason for that is that <clears throat> since I'm starting this part-time gig <clears throat> up here, I'm not going to be able to go to Bible study anymore. Right. So, which is, you know, which is unfortunate because I, I really did enjoy... Uh, you know, sitting with that group of men and and uh, and just talking about things. So, I'd kind of like to find something similar up here. Maybe not a Bible study, even specifically, but just a. I don't know. Do they have like mental health groups like pe that yeah, people go? Yeah, you're going to be teaching one. No, <laughs> I mean like outside of the 
of a psych facility, like a, like well, like an AA, but for mental mm-hmm. health. Well, have those? I mean, have you been to an AA meeting? No. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, you should go to an AA meeting. Why? <laughs> Isn't that for alcoholics though? Well, I mean, the principles, the twelve-step principles, are fabulous for anybody. Sure. So yeah, I mean, there's. AANA, you know, the Al-Anon and Narnon and all all those meetings just have, <clears throat> of course, <clears throat> going to just the meeting. Now, there are there are meetings, like I used to go to the meeting in Bloomington, was um, the um, 11th step, 10th and 11th step, but it was a meditation, mm. um, 12-step meditation meeting. Yeah. So there's different types of 12-step meetings, but when you, just the principles of the 12 steps, everybody would benefit from going through the 12 steps. Yeah. Just like everybody would benefit from going through an anatomy and physiology class. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that's always been a... No. I thought everybody in the world needs to learn how yeah, their body functions. know how their body works and, yeah, the various components of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, finding a... So what are your hours going to be, though? Uh, so I think I'm doing, I'm pretty sure, I don't know. She hasn't got the schedule yet, but when she kind of walked through what she thought the schedule would look like, it looked like I would be doing from nine to 1030, one group, and then 1030 to 12, another group. Um, and that on Saturday and on Sunday, but it could have, it could be that she has me do and. Because when she originally talked about it, she talked about me doing one group in the morning and one group in the afternoon. Okay. Both days. So uh, <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. To wait and yeah, see. once you start doing the groups, um, yeah, I think we'll be doing a lot of debriefing about... Yeah, about how that goes and how the process is working or not working and what I might need to change. But yeah. Yeah. And what you're learning through it. I mean, oh, I, of course. I always, when I do groups, I always grow and learn. I mean, I'll have patients will share insight with me that, that I'll, I mean, that's what's so incredible about it. It's the most intelligent group of people you'll ever be around because they're, they're survivors. And that's the problem is they overthink everything or they've been in situations where they've had to fight to survive from the time they were born. And, yeah. and they're brilliant people. They've just, you know, been held back by by the world and by the way their brain has had to develop because they've had to stay in survival mode. And I learned so much from my patients. And that's why I love that so many times, or many times patients will, whatever their life skill, I mean, they may have been a therapist and now they're in treatment or they may have been a, you know, a nurse and and then they see that bigger insight kind of like you've seen and then they come back to work for us and they've seen both sides of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean it's a brilliant model. And my my dream is to have you know nurse practitioners and and then nurses under that and then you know your LPNs and your CNAs and your peer recovery coaches and your patients and then the patients get better and they come back and they're peer recovery or behavioral health techs, and then they go to school and they become the LPNs and the CNAs and the RNs and the <laughs> nurse practitioners. And it's just this rotating of creating this army. I mean, just like an, you know, just like a military model, but you know, the having that 
sort of, I don't want to say rank system, but that sort of system where you, you work your way up in the, in the ranks of saving the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal is just save the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's a great goal. I don't think it's too lofty of a goal. No, not at all. I mean, I, well, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. It is a good model. I mean, because the clients trust people who've been through it too, right? I mean, they, especially the addicted population, like they just, they really connect to people who understand what they're going through. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I don't know. It's a, yeah, I think it's going to be a really great thing. Well, and I'll have patients who will come in, clients who will come into my office and, you know, I have like a beautiful office. It's the best office in the whole facility. You do, yes. <clears throat> but they'll come in my office and, and, and it's, it's inviting. But, they, you know, they'll start, they may be angry that they're in the position they're in. and But as soon as I share with them my, you know, my mental health struggles and my, you know, what I've had to work through. And I mean, I have, I have two master's degrees on the wall and I've got, you know, these different, I've, I've got a story and I'm willing to share the story and you can see them soft, soften. Yeah. You can see them sort of a sense of relief, like, okay, you do know what it feels like to feel hopeless. You do know what it feels like. And there is a chance to heal. You know, there is an opportunity to heal. Yeah. But if you're trying to talk to someone and, and, you know, they're angry and you can't, offer them some sort of that, I don't know. I mean, not that you have to have had these struggles to to be of service sure. and to help, but I think when somebody gets in that position to know that that they're with someone who can understand what it feels like to feel those things, but then can also say there is there is hope. And, yeah. and I'll have these young ones in, you know, they'll be 18, 19. They're like, I've ruined my life. I had to drop out of college and I've ruined my life. And I'll be, yeah. go over and look at that wall over there. And they'll go look at my degrees on the wall. I'm like, I didn't start doing that till I was 40. And then they sort of look at me like I'm a bit of a loser. But then they'll be like, <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? I'm like, no, no. Look at the dates. Look at my, look at my face. Look at my hair. Look at the dates. So don't tell me your life is over. Your yeah. life is just beginning and you've not ruined a damn thing. So, yeah. Well, and I, we've talked about this, I think just you and I, I don't think we've done it on the podcast, but I, you know, there's a, some, I think some of your colleagues like don't think that you should share as much as you do. Right. Cause it's, cause they're, they're trained. I think psych, psych, you know, psychiatrists traditionally are, they don't share personal and therapists. Right. It, at this facility. No, they're not like that. At, right. um, at IU, you know, they were more, following the rules but i huh. was i was trained by jim riser yeah well and, and I that think was different it's an old model that doesn't work anymore mm -hmm. i mean i know for myself i i don't necessarily think that my doctors are these all-powerful gods anymore mm -hmm. like people used to people right. used to go to the doctor they would talk to their doctor they would think that their doctor knew so much more than they did but with with google and i think probably most of these patients come in already having Googled all their symptoms mm -hmm. or all their yeah. things. And so they already have an idea of what they, and so, and, and I don't, I've gone to, you know, like I told you the story, I, I, when I was looking for a general practitioner, this was probably 20 years ago. Um, I went around to several and 
the one guy, I, I only went to one appointment and I was like, nope, he's not for me because he gave me the advice to that I needed to exercise and watch my diet more. And he was at least 100 pounds overweight. And I thought, why should I be taking advice from you mm-hmm. when you can't take your own advice? It just it it's always and I think that's the kind of thing that people, especially in a situation like this with mental health and addictions, where they're looking for somebody they're not looking for somebody to sit on high in judgment of them and pass down, mm-hmm. you know, the the answers. I think they're looking for somebody to connect with them and work with them through the struggle. Mm-hmm. And and that's the model you guys use. And I think it's I think it's very powerful. I think you guys reach a lot more people. I mean, sure, there's recidivism, but I think there's probably I don't know. Do you guys have statistics on that? Well, statistically speaking, it's, you know, when you're in in addiction, um, seven times is usually you're going to come through about about seven times before you actually get free. I just meant for your your facility specifically as opposed Mm, to the general statistics. I'd I'd be interested to see those. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, when people come back, usually I'm like, welcome to your chronic relapsing disease. Did you go down as far as you did last time? And they're like, because they'll be so full of shame. They're like, no, actually, I didn't. Did you do as much damage? No, actually, I didn't. Okay, we'll get this. Don't, you know, beating yourself up is not going to help the the process. But I also, I, I think the point that you're making is really interesting. And of course, I always go back to churches and pastors and that sort of thing. Part of it is people want someone to blame for what they can't, um, you know, mm. what they feel feel like they are powerless to navigate or don't know how. Yeah. Right. I mean, I may I use that example before. I've had people in my life that I allowed to be spiritual leaders in my life that um, I was doing it because I didn't want to be the one responsible for. If I was wrong, you know, if I was wrong, then if you can, if you can blame, you know, if you have a pastor who, who asserts all dominance and all power and, and, you know, speaks for God, then you can hold on to that and not have to really take responsibility for your own spirituality. Right. It's kind of the same thing when it comes to mental health and even physical health. If you can blame a doctor. Yeah. Then right, yeah, put them as this all powerful being. But I agree. I think, I think people are saying, okay, you know what, I, this is this is not working, and you're not listening to me. Yeah, and and when you put the mental health with the physical health together, I mean, that's why I went back to get my family practice, even though I'm not, you know, using it in family practice. It's just, yeah, to walk the journey and have have something to look at the whole person. And just say, okay, you know, I'm going to teach you what I can teach you about your body and how it functions in your mind and how it functions. And, mm-hmm. But I want you to actually be empowered to, you know, make the life changes to save your life. Yeah. So. Yeah. We talk a lot for not really having anything to talk <laughs> about. No, we had plenty to talk about. <clears throat> Plans for the future and things that we're doing. Yeah. I think yeah. it's... So those of All you who stuff. pray can absolutely pray for us because, again, the, <laughs> the uh, especially with the kids' unit that's opening up, I just, I, I mean, that whole building. I mean, just lots of prayer for that whole building that that 
patients will continue to to get well and to be able to then help others. And, you know, I believe that as we heal, help each other heal, that the planet will heal, that we'll, you know, we'll all grow to become more self-aware and more aware of, of how we affect each other and how we affect the planet. And, and just, I don't know, just live a good life and live a spiritually aware life and, a healthier life but you know you've got we have grandparents and parents and and children and people who are suffering and I know that you know usually when I'm sitting with a patient that patient is that link to breaking that generational curse and to healing you know an entire family they're just the ones who bore the brunt or the bore the the biggest impact of the trauma in the family. And they're the ones who kind of, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. I'm not making sense, am I? No, you are. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I think you probably articulated it better last night when we were... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you said that, you know, one of the most powerful things to you is that you feel like when you're when you're sitting with these patients that you are answering so many prayers and that there's so much positive energy coming to your position because because so many people have said please help my son or daughter find their way through mm-hmm. this this addiction that they have and 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 uh and you feel that that positive energy through through them. It's and, sacred space. I right. mean, it definitely, it's not, it's, I mean, I don't know, positive, but fear and awe and, you know, understanding that, that it's, it's, yeah, it's sacred. It's sacred space. You're stepping into somebody else's pain, profound pain. That's a representation of, you know, their entire family's pain. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. really important. Yeah. Um, when we were in group, <clears throat> it's funny because you, you're you probably the only person that I've heard talk about generational trauma. I, mean, I haven't been around a lot of psych professionals so far, but one of the patients brought it up when they were talking in group about their generational trauma. And I just think that's really cool that people are, that this is, that they they have that in in their language toolkit now to mm-hmm. understand what they're going through and to try and understand their families and how they work and I mm-hmm. you know and, and that's part of the process the writing process that I'm working through too is <clears throat> is shifting perspective you know through multiple tellings of the same the same stories or the same expressions of gratitude or the same meditations on objects you know yeah slowly changing the way that you view it through the use of metaphor and perspective and yeah yeah that's, that's beautiful yeah I think it's going to be really cool are you going to make me breakfast? <laughs> no, I don't think we have the materials here. But I think you're going to take me to breakfast before I go back to home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. All right. Okay. Uh, anything you want to talk about as far as you and me? Um, 
either from early in the relationship or mid-relationship or recently. I don't know. You mean like this morning that you're not making me breakfast <laughs> in bed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that if you want. I know it's it's one of your favorite things. One of my make, favorite things yes. is the way he makes peanut butter and honey toast. Well, we've been very busy and... I think we you have one slice of bread out there. Well, that's enough <laughs> that's, for one slice of peanut butter and honey toast. For okay. you. So, so listen, this is what he does. He toasts the toast first. And I don't know why I felt like this was so brilliant, yeah, it was, but it was. It was a game changer. It was a game changer. Well, and It's like, fine, okay, I will yeah. marry you. So you, used to, <laughs> so you used to make the toast. You would make your own and you would put the peanut butter on, on first. On first and then and drizzle the honey. honey. But then, yeah, it, it just seemed obvious to me. And I'd never made honey and peanut butter toast but it seemed obvious to me that you put the honey on first so it, it can absorb into the into bread, the bread. Yeah. he's and then you brilliant put the peanut butter on top and then he you don't brilliant. have honey dripping everywhere and you know you're brilliant yeah you're yeah. brilliant you need to give me the opportunity to appreciate your brilliance again this morning <laughs> no <I think> so. <laughs> so so no i mean and it's so silly that it's like these that's these are the little things you bring to my life <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, so probably for this week. Next weekend we'll talk about that. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions or ideas about what kind of thing I should read this week? I, we did the love oh, stuff yeah. last week. Well, I like the love. And, um, I do um, too, yeah. Uh, uh, honey, hush, hush Puppy and Honey Butter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your little series that you yeah, did. Yeah, that I, yeah. was funny. Maybe, yeah, but... I, Maybe later. Let's not do that this week. <laughs> Just because I, I keep keep with the love series, then. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've got plenty of the, the love as a character, and yeah. I I like love as a character because he's they're not always uh, they don't always have all the answers either. Love love has struggles and problems of in their own life, and I like that. I like the idea that that sometimes we help out love. <laughs> rather than love helping us out which is you you believe in god because god is love you you do i mean you believe in the power and the force of love and yeah. love is uh-huh. what created us love is what made us love is uh-huh. just and i would say another that, name for god and i would just say that that love is uh is probably um that's my you know, stomach i that, don't know if you guys can hear that but it wants love toast. is the human animal's uh greatest greatest strength i think it's just it's a natural evolutionary process and i think other animals love too it's not like we're exclusively and they uh, love better than we do yeah mm, mm, maybe yeah i don't know there's there's not a lot of you know sentient thought uh mucking it up right Mm -hmm. making you question things but but no i think it's a very natural thing And, and i do think it's very powerful you know chemically in our brains and everything but um Oh my gosh! It is. I'm rolling my eyes right now. But it's yeah, it's fun to play with metaphor and characterization and anthropomorphism. Oh my gosh! Okay. Uh, okay. All right. We love you all. Love you. And if you're if you're even listening to this, we might just be doing this for ourselves. It could be, but you know, we we some have some archive. About, you know what? And know. some of them are after the apocalypse in 300 years. Somebody's going to find this recording. And yeah. They'll, yeah. And they'll in care my about head, it. it's a it's a movie in my head. <laughs> like they'll care. They'll care. Right. Be like, oh my gosh, this is what they were. This is this what is humans what they were, were listening like. to. Oh, oh no. man. God. <laughs>
Let's hope not. Let's find something better than this. <laughs> to leave behind yeah, as our legacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, All right. guys. Have a Bye. great week. Have a great Sunday. Love's favorite sports monologue cracks me up. Craig is so uh, creative and ingenious and just uh, just makes me laugh. I don't know how he can come up with these stories to write these little clips of of dialogue about but in any time he would write these things for me like I would automatically go into being able to visualize everything that was happening in the words he was saying and I just I loved it he could always create a picture for me he could always create a movie for me or um yeah a story so I hope you guys enjoy it and it makes you laugh as much as it does me. Thanks. Do you remember when I was the part all about everything we'd had to overcome as a team? You were the part about how we were going to overcome it. And together, we were love's favorite sport movie pregame inspirational monologue. I was the long list, the slow pan around the room, hesitating on each anxious face. I was the part about how Billy's dog had died, the cutaway to his brimming eyes, a ghostly whine haunting the soundtrack for a moment, reminding love that sometimes life's inertia follows the bouncing ball into traffic. I was the part about how sometimes nobody believes. The scales are tipped, the toast falls butterside down, and just as love struggles to hold in a sob and wonders where the hell coach is going with all this, in you come, all scraping butter knives and five-second rules, assuring love that scales can be swept aside for a righteous cause. And yeah, sometimes nobody believes until everybody believes. And maybe inertia does entice our three-legged dogs under the wheels of semi-trucks to the scream of air brakes and 18 stuttering tires. But it's our choice, you remind love, how we respond. Do we follow our own bouncing ball into the busy street of despair? Or do we use it instead to fuel our rise? Do we regret the hand that threw that ball? Or do we celebrate the dog's enthusiasm for chasing anything thrown in its presence? You are the swelling horns, the militant drumbeat, the growing chorus of voices in the room, at first shouting individual affirmations, but as the monologue builds and love's chest hitches, their lips pulled back in an unconscious rictus made of equal parts sorrow and triumph, the voices become one chanting rhythmic wave that carries the coach into the final cry. Now let's go out there and bring this thing home for Billy's dog. And then love's tears feel redemptive not mournful, and love is filled with the spirit of Billy's dog as the team spills out onto the field and the long montage to victory begins. We are a classic sweetness. Our monologue is powerful. Love listens to us whenever they need a little push, and they always find we work best together. That the triumph of your part of the monologue doesn't feel nearly as inspirational without me to remind love of how bad things can get. And of course, I mean, I'm nothing but a bummer without you to redeem me. And yeah, maybe we're a bit cheesy sometimes, but hey, we work, damn it. Love's a sucker for us, morning light.
every time. Naked Conversations has been a Mountain Loves the Morning Light production. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Love you.